Coming to you from a galaxy far, far away, this is the Star Warriors podcast. And today, uh, Chris and I have Rocco here. Uh, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about the Marvel Star Wars run up to now. Rocco, uh, you know, you and I do the big show together with the other guys, but we don't really have much of a chance to, you know, sit down and have more one-on-one. So I really thought that it'd be a fun thing to do these these micro episodes. And so, you know, you don't really get to talk about too much about yourself during the big show. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and tell everybody what you're, what you're all about. Right on. Uh, well, my name is Rocco, as uh, Chris just went over. Um, I have been a Star Wars fan for god more than 25 years at this point i've played almost all the video games i have read a ton of books not all of them there's just so many (laughs) and uh obviously i've seen the movies i'm a perennial uh night you know uh what's it called opening night i'm always there because god if someone told me about a star wars movie before i saw it i'd probably have a nervous breakdown (laughs) Um, spoilers you know, loose, right? loose lips sink ships. Can't, can't do that. Can't do that. But uh, really excited about uh, this show tonight because I know uh, we're talking about comics. And I have just been really just eating all of them up, man, at a, at a pretty fast pace. Um, and I'm caught up at this point, which is pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy that we decided to do this. You know, you and I talk about comics, you know, and uh, we chat a lot about different ones from DC to Star Wars and Marvel and all that. So it's. It's uh, I thought, you know, if we sat down and just kind of like flesh this out, uh, the tough part is on a larger scale, not everybody reads the comics from our group. So I'm happy that um, that we can sit down and actually go over them and then, you know, have some of the guys on, you know, in future episodes that do read them. And uh, we yeah. can get we can just, you know, go as go as more and more series come out, because, you know, we're going to cover three of them today. We're going to talk about Star Wars, uh, Darth Vader and Bounty Hunters. But there's also what um, what else is out there right now? Afra. Um, I know I read the Rise of Kylo Ren, but that was an older one. But as and High Republic High has Republic, just yeah. started, just yep. started. But there's something, um, you know, just real quick for the listeners. You know, I read comics when I was younger and COVID hit and I'm a big movie goer. I go to a lot of movies. I soak up a lot of this media. And with COVID, we haven't really had that ability. So I had to solve for kind of filling that that void in my life. And so I found a local comic shop and honestly, I've never been happier and it's filled that movie void of seeing movies, just reading these comic books. So if you're dealing with COVID, if you're just like kind of down in the dumps about it, man, see if you can find your local comic book shop, kick around there, see what's available to read. And it's just, it's good for you. And I I suggest it. But anyway, I digress. Also, Support those local small businesses, uh, especially yes. in these times. You know, yeah. Uh, I also do notice the epic Star Wars collection behind you. Uh, everybody you. out there who's listening uh, can't see it, but lots of cool uh, the vintage collection and some cool pops and whatnot, and Black Series. So cool, really rocking that. Oh, yeah. that. We chat about that a lot as well. So maybe we'll have to do a a toy episode someday. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So. This year, as we said, was you know this past year, 2020, uh, a lot of the new series launched. So what we have is this post-Empire Strikes Back world. Uh, and it was appropriate because 2020 being the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. And so also with that, the three titles we're going to talk about today uh, had special variant covers done by Chris Sprouse. And they were Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary covers. So they, they had a picture from different scenes. Um, and each comic will get one, and there's uh, 36 covers in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll basically tell a story of Empire across those variants. Yes, uh, when those, um, when I knew those existed, I knew I needed to have every single one of them. I mean, The Empire Strikes Back is not only my favorite Star Wars movie; it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, so as soon as they were like, "Oh yeah, this line has these variants, and they're beautiful," the artwork is gorgeous and the scenes are ripped right out of empire strikes back i'm only missing two i think i'm missing number two and number four um but i have all the rest and we're in what 28 we're getting towards the end definitely definitely high 20s i i don't know specifically but i I know i have a lot of them already i don't even know same 
Like, how do we display them? Do you just hang them on the wall? Like, how, what do you think? How would you display I, something like that? Or just keep them to keep them? I mean, right now I'm keeping them to keep them. But when I have all of them, like, this ceiling is the underside of the floor. So it's just all, like, wood. So I was thinking of making some kind of contraption where they would be displayed across the top. Because, you know, this is my studio. So I think that would be a really cool accent. Um, is just all of them, but but how I would hang them is the question, you know. I have some engineering uh, uh, smarts here. Uh, what if you took like big cork boards and you not stapled through the comics, but you stapled through the plastic bag or whatever, and that would hold them up? That's an idea. That's an idea. That's that's not a bad idea. I mean, if I get a staple gun, I could probably do it with the wood here, and then just like you said, do it through the bag, not through the through the comic. And yeah, I mean that that could work. Um, and then just have them in order to kind of tell a pictographic story of my favorite film. You know, which I mean, really, if you're a Star Wars fan, should be your favorite film. <laughs> I agree. Some may not, but we know. We know the truth. <laughs> there is no conflict when it comes to that. <laughs> exactly. So. Exactly. Everybody knows. Yeah. So let's um let's talk about this post empire world. Yes. Uh, where we know, spoiler alert, that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Um, and this is something that uh, we're going to talk about with Star Wars Volume Two uh, of the Marvel Run, and it's written by Charles Soule uh, with uh, rotating artistic team i would uh, let's put it that way so charles soul uh who is also writing the high republic uh the light of the jedi he wrote that first book so we're going to talk a little bit about those tie-ins in a little bit but let's let's get into like kind of where luke is at this point uh because this this is this is like right after where it jumps into the whether the on the falcon it's still i guess it's still it overlaps with the end of empire strikes back to a certain extent yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and a lot of Luke's lightsaber. Um, and I know that's something you definitely wanted to talk about, especially the cool throwback they did. But uh, we'll get into that when you're ready. Um, but but uh, I, I really like the way, you know, first of all, they went back to Cloud City, um, you know, which was cool. Um, I really just really enjoy like the romp um, of that whole thing. I really like Leia's kind of side story with like the rebellion and what they're doing there. And I know you wanted to touch on this before because I was reading your notes, but I really like how, how much they honor Tarkin. Mm. Like that felt so real in terms of today and how we honor these like fallen heroes when really, I mean, they weren't heroes. They were pretty awful people. But just the, the way that, that he's honored, you know what I mean, is like, what was that Star Destroyer? Like Tarkin's Revenge or something like that? It, I, it's something else. I, I I can't pull it off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah. So just like that, you know, I, I really like the way these little nuanced things that they put in this Star Wars comic. That's That's wild. And then also you mentioned where Luke is at. And I really, really, I always wanted to know how a regular person would react to knowing that Darth Vader is Luke's dad. And when he was in that pit drowning and she was like ripping through his mind and she's like, you don't, you haven't just met Darth Vader, you're his son. And she was just like, I'm going to kill him. Like that, her first reaction is I'm going to kill him. You know what I mean? I love the way they did that because I always thought to myself, how would someone react mm -hmm. that wasn't Han or Chewie or, or Leia? You know what I mean? How is a normal, a run-of-the-mill Jedi going to react to, holy crap, this dude is Vader's kid? Right. And how many other people besides a Jedi is, can know that if they can't read read your emotions or whatever? You know. So I thought that was a really neat way to do it like this like this post-traumatic stress like this is this is where the whoever survived the purge up to this point is dealing with and that's like yes. the most serious thing the more and more we watch you know the the fallout and the fall of jedi and you think about it especially after watching clone wars and, and developing those attachments it's just like 
it's interesting when people are like, well, where are the Jedi? Where, why aren't they like rising up? Well, it's because they're scared. <laughs> it's because would you want the Inquisitors and this giant Darth Vader guy hunting you all the time? I mean, that's that's some scary stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. And and to like, again, going back to Clone Wars, but even Rebels, when the Grand Inquisitor showed up in the comic and as a Sith ghost, in essence, and. You know, from what I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember reading some kind of lore that Jedi can come back as Force ghosts. Sith can as well, but they're tied to a specific locale. It's almost like more of a punishment than whereas a Jedi, it's it's unlocking oneness with the Force, whereas a Sith ghost is more of a like a haunting, like a poltergeist. And that kind of explains the Grand Inquisitor being at at that temple, tied to that temple. Um, again, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but I, I'm trying to remember. I, I'm trying to remember where to cite my sources for that lore. But I, I nothing's coming to my brain right now. That's right. Follow follow up with me when uh, when you find that because I like to I like to know that as well. Yeah, it seemed like it was kind of strange, right? Because he was almost like uh, it was more like a zombie than anything. Um, yeah. And what's interesting, I guess, for the locale, um, just as long as we're we're talking about this, that is an old, you know, an old Jedi temple from the High Republic days, which is yeah, when they really start it's... to touch on this stuff. Yeah, that was that was really strange to have the Inquisitors show up. I thought that was wild. Uh, so I knew it, you know, I had just got caught up reading these, so I, I from when you had told me previously about it, and um, I thought that at the end when when he's like, is my, it's almost like he's in service. And he is almost asking Vader if, if that time is up, if he can go. But it, yeah, how are they controlling that? That's kind of wild too. So that's something I'd like. I'd love to know more about. And he was on fire. Yeah. And how he died was in a fire. Yeah. So like, I just these little pieces of of and the thing is, is so like, if you've never seen Rebels and you read that, cool. You know what I mean? It. It. You're gonna get it. But then you watched Rebels, so you add a layer. And to me, that's what I love about Star Wars, and that's what drew me into these comics, is how often that happens. And then also at that locale, Luke is on a quest. We knew he was looking for his lightsaber in Cloud City, checking with the Ugnaughts and whatnot, and no <laughs> success, right? So um, so he goes to that temple, and he gets a lightsaber. I mean, it's actually one of the 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 Jedi temple guardians, um, yep. they're, they're, they staff ones and cut in half. You can see, but mm-hmm. this is, this is fun because when there were the vintage toys came out originally, uh, Luke's lightsaber was yellow and everybody was like, okay, that's strange. And it was never explained. So here you have a nice tie back to something so old, you know, and I love that they're doing this kind of stuff. You know, you see Fallon Filoni doing tie backs to old vintage toys that were never produced. So I just, I love how much, Fan fandom is going into the fandom now. I think that's a really good way to look at it uh, because we've had, you know, people our age are now making movies or making TV shows yes. and writing comics, and they're they're carrying this this love that they had since they were a kid into it, which is a lot different than than some of the stuff we grew up with, and it just wasn't that impactful. So I am really happy that people are having fun with this. Absolutely, man. Um, I, I love. That that like so I didn't catch that with the yellow lightsaber, but then when you said it, and then I remembered that being a thing, Luke having a yellow lightsaber because I'm I'm a bit younger, not no offense, um, not taken, <laughs> but you know again I, uh, I I saw that and I was like that's awesome and it made me think of you know just like you had mentioned with Filoni and Favreau with the Mandalorian, Bib Fortuna. They did that with the staff that came with the figure. And what's amazing is that was a power of the force figure and I own it and it has Bib Fortuna's staff, which like was never in return of the Jedi. So again, for, for the comic books now, you know, to do that with Luke's yellow lightsaber, just awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. It's funny. I, I remember getting that figure, the Bib Fortuna figure when I was a kid, like vividly for Easter Mm -hmm. one year. Um, And it was one of the, it's probably the one of the ones that 
sticks out the most in my brain because it was the later line. But that, yeah, that's that's such an awesome example. That gun that he shoots all those guys right before he finds Grogu in the first in the in the in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing that he stands on, he shoots all those mm-hmm. those bandits. That's that's another thing, you know. And the troop transport. Yes, um, I think that was in Rogue One. They had brought it back first for that, maybe. No, but they, you're you're right. It was Mandalorian. Was it in that? Yeah, I know it's in that as well. I'm, but I keep thinking maybe it was a rogue one, but maybe not. Just using all this stuff is amazing. Great throwbacks. Let me just talk about a little bit about the other tie into the HR, as long as we were talking about that Jedi Temple. Yeah. Um, it's fun because, you know, with Charles Soule writing this, they'd been building that whole that whole storyline for so long. And because of COVID, we know it got pushed back and pushed back more. But here you can see where, you know, they were dropping hints um, they were dropping hints of the, the HR as far back as Dooku, Dooku lost that audio drama, which is written by Kevin Scott, uh, who is who is involved with the HR as well. So that's funny. And a f- couple other things leading up. I think that Rise of Kylo Ren mentioned some stuff. It's great yes. to see these little threads being sewn, right? I love that they can do that and that they're doing it across media uh, because that was one of my biggest issues is like if you're going to have this great canon and you're going to restart it, don't do not, you know, fall for the same mistakes of the past. Yeah, absolutely. And even like small things like I'm not going to get into it because it's not part of our lineup today. But even in the Afro comics, there are HR little things. And it's this ship is High Republic era. Like when she's stealing a ship. Oh, this is a High Republic era ship. Again, it doesn't really mean much to the story. But the fact that it's mentioned adds a really cool tie back to this new thing that they're opening up. And I, I think that that's really important. And I think a big draw from us fans is their attention to detail. Exactly. You got to litter things in, like just sprinkle, sprinkle here and there and make it cohesive because in the long run, it's going to make more sense because exactly. being like long-term Star Wars fans, we know, we know what, linear events happened in our lifetime for Star Wars. So it's hard for us to be like, look at it as a whole almost, yeah. you know, uh, it's easier for us just to break it down to time periods in our lives and what made sense. But now with this new fandom and these, these kids reading it, I think like that's building the world. It's, 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 it's connecting. Like we've been talking about, like tying in the prequels, tying into the sequels um, and just building that world. And now the HR. So I think that's that, I think that's really awesome. The last thing here, I guess, um, and um, we're going to throw it back to the EU a little bit with Shadows of the Empire. It's something that I would really love to see them somehow adapt. I don't want they don't have to do it perfectly to the old story. Do you think that we'll see that? Do you think that they'll? There's plenty of time. I mean, we're we're very young in the series. Ten issues. The first volume went 85 issues or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that they will pay homage to Shadows? I think that if they didn't, it would be a missed opportunity. And I think that there is a way to introduce shadows. It doesn't have to be the exact story. Um, you know, we don't need to know. We don't need to get into the whole she's or wanting to get with Leia, you know, situation. We don't need to get into all that. You know, but it would be nice for some, what is it, Black Sun and Prince Shizor. It would be nice for him to even just make an appearance. You know, nod. Just give me a nod. Just nod to it so I know it's there. You know what I mean? Um, If they don't do it, for me, I'm going to more scrutinize what they do. If they don't do it, it doesn't mean I'm going to hate it. It just means I'm going to scrutinize it more. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they do some nods or... Or even adaptations. If they, I mean, if they adapt it and they adapt it perfectly, I'm all in. I'm a hundred percent in. You know, um, if they nod to it, I'm in for that too. But if they're gonna just rewrite or write over the whole thing, then I'm really. It, it's got to be really good. <laughs> I agree, and I'm pretty accepting of everything they've done so far. And it's not like I'm gonna be that EU guy who who's gonna get mad. Because I, it's all new content, and there's nothing that I can do or anybody can do to change it. So it's, it's like they have great creators, they have great stories coming out. So just, just enjoy the fandom. But I agree with you on that because I, you know, it's weird to make Dash Rendar canon um, in a book, like this weird source book for like the Han Solo movie. It's not even a source. I don't know what it is, but so 
they're starting to sprinkle there a little bit. I've been waiting for them to even say the word Shizor. Uh, we know that the Falene and Black Sun exist, but we don't know to what to what extent that is. So I, too, am hoping that seeing that next year is, or no, this year is the 25th anniversary, that maybe by the end of the year, maybe they'll start that storyline sometime this year. Or maybe they'll announce it, you know, that they're going to be yeah. headed that direction, but they can't get to it till 2022. Something. It is the 25th anniversary because I think Shadows was 1996. Uh, that would make sense that it would be 96, 96, 97, because that's around when I got the book. And then the result, it was interconnected with the N64 game. I remember, oh my God, I remember dumping hours and hours into that. I remember replaying Hoth over and over and over again. Just, it's a battle of Hoth, man. It is the bat. I don't care. It's the battle of Hoth. Every good Star Wars game has adapted it somehow. Uh, the, the flying type. That one especially because I love because it was not even meant to be like a Rogue Squadron game or anything like that. You got to go and play it as Dash Rendar and it was worked in the canon that way that he was part of that battle. So and I love that. I love it so ridiculous. He comes back and just nobody's there. <laughs> just like I'd be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> they, had to, they had to go Rocco. Darth Vader was there. <laughs> right? Like, God. <laughs> Uh, Leave me alone with these wampas. What the heck? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, anyway. uh, yeah, that's right. When is uh, we got a couple weeks until the next issue of Star Wars drops? Uh, so, yeah. lots of cool stuff coming our way from Charles Soule and crew. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, right now, we're going to jump to a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more Star Warriors. DFAT Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. What you don't realize is that it ain't easy. It is hard goddamn work making something this today. Looks like a geek. So I must be doing it for a reason. It's you. It's always been you. And it's worth fighting. All you have to decide is what to do with the time to skip day. Join me. Gutsy Media Podcast. Because movies are our life. Uh, we are back from commercial with more Star Warriors. Rocco and I are talking Marvel Star Wars comic books. And so we're going to get into Bounty Hunters. Uh, this is actually the first volume. Uh, it's, it did start this year. Mm -hmm. It's written by Ethan Sachs with a, uh, with Paul, I'll actually say this, because uh, Paolo Villanelli. I'm not going to butcher his name. Uh, he's actually been doing all the uh, the pencil and inks on the whole series. So, and with colorist Arif Prianto. So, I will I will give everybody credit on this book because it has been one team, and I love that. Um, I don't mind rotating artists and stuff like that, but it is it becomes a little bit mouthful when you want to talk about it. So, what do you what do you think about this series? I'm a big bounty hunter guy. I'm a big Star Wars Underworld fan. So, I, uh, this really speaks to me. It it's. I, I say it's like a it's like a movie genre that I like, which I call action porn. And that's what this comic feels like is action porn. Um, sure. Are there nods? Is there a story? Yeah. Is it the weakest of all the stories? Maybe not weaker than Afra. Well, we'll talk about that in another show. Um, but, you know, I like the characters it's introducing. It's just that, like, the first comic Okay, I bought the I bought the the A cover and the variant because the variant was a Boba Fett cover, so it's called Bounty Hunters. They have a variant that's a Boba Fett cover, but Boba is in one or two total issues, and I was hoping to see more. Like I understand Valence is our main character, that's fine, but I don't know. I was just kind of hoping to see a little bit more Boba Fett. Um, but other than that, I mean, the story's not bad. It's not bad. I'm not angry with it but it is action porn i have to agree it's 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 a fun story i actually i've had i had to read the first 
<laughs> I had to read the first issue a couple times. Yeah. Uh, most because I think I, I started it and I was like, all right. And then I had to go back and reread it because I really wanted to kind of absorb what was happening. So uh, just the rundown. It's basically like there was this team of bounty hunters. They were on a mission with with their leader, Nakano Lash. It was Bubba mm-hmm. Fett, Bosk, Tongar, and uh, Valence. And so it comes down to the point where Nakano Lash kills the person who hired them to do the job. And we soon learn the reason is um, because of this this little girl. And so this girl, her name is, I'm sorry, uh, Cadelia. Mm-hmm. And she is actually the child of, of parents from different crime syndicates. Yep. And so the idea here is that she can reunite the Unbroken Clan and Mourner's Whale Syndicate. Uh, it's like a so, little Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. It's very, it's very strange. Uh, and I, and actually, it was kind of weird because I was this lone wolf and cub thing. It was being played out in the Mandalorian, so I was like, "This is a little bit of a rehash here." But I do like Balance as a character, and I and I want to bring him up because he was introduced in 1978, and we're talking pre-Empire, right? So we're talking mm-hmm. before our main stable of bounty hunters that are slowly being introduced in this book, and so. I thought that was a that's a pretty cool thing because mm-hmm. uh to bring back a character like that to still kind of hold up his to hold up his history but to build this new story around him. Basically he's the terminator uh but with the soul. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you said this this I'm going to bring up the Boba Fett thing cuz something actually kind of bothered me a little bit and it's when he finally shows up in the main story. Not in the not in the throwback, not anything when he shows up and they're they're confronting. I think it was they were confronting Lash, mm-hmm. and he shoots Tonga, who is Tongar's sister. She's on like this this vengeful hunt to. She believes that Nakano Lash was responsible for her brother's death when really her brother was trying to help Lash escape with with the child. Yeah. So Boba Fett walks in and shoots this girl in the back. <laughs> I'm like dead, and it was just like. I'm trying to wrap my head around it because we have just watched The Mandalorian and Bubba Fett seems to be kind of an honorable guy in this in this post Sarlacc uh, existence of his. So I guess my question to you is, do you think Bubba Fett was that blood like cold blooded or did the Sarlacc change him? I yes, I think he was that cold blooded. I think there's a reason he was the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy. Um, And I think that that lent credence to it. Um, I think that seeing him in other EU situations, he was bloodthirsty. What I like is this almost redemption um, that we get. And I'm hoping the book of Boba Fett kind of dives into the past, present and future of Boba Fett. And I hope to see more of that cold bloodedness, but I absolutely believed his cold murder of this person. I think that seeing I think that seeing the death of his father really messed him up and I think that it took a near death experience like a lot of us in real life to to change and maybe go more towards honor cuz Django was an honorable man. His father was an honorable man, yes. and I think that he wants to emulate that now. Um, before it was the galaxy owes me because I had to watch my father get decapitated, and now it's I need to honor my father's legacy by by having honor. And and again, you know, it's cool that these recent comics can show us how ruthless and cold blooded he was, and then we got the TV show to supplement. To show a rebirth of the character as well. I really like that. And and yes, I believe Boba Fett was that cold-blooded. Cold-blooded. I, I, I had to convince myself of the same thing. And that's that's what I said, too. I, I, it was just, we haven't seen so much from him. And then to have this like almost heroic comeback, which it really was. Because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I, I told you I was going to do this. And we're going to do that. I'm a man of honor and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and just such a different character characterization but you're right he he wouldn't be that feared if not his presence presence in the book if i had one of the largest bounties in in the galaxy in 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 my trunk i think i would avoid as many other bounty hunters as possible uh i don't know how much true honor is amongst them but (laughs) yeah i mean true i just like 
I don't know. I wanted more of him in Bounty Hunters. I wanted... I'm okay with Valence, and actually, I like the issue that that went back to show Valence's kind of like little love story. I thought it was very reminiscent of like a regular person, because Star Wars tells us about our own world in, in such a way, and he was this kid that was going off to the Navy. You know what I mean? He was going off to the Navy, and he's talking to his girl, and he's like, I'm going to come back and like dudes that I know in real life that went off to the army and went off to the Navy and made promises to a girl that there was no way they were going to keep, you know, and just seeing that in real life and then seeing that out of valence, I think that that gave his character more weight, more gravitas, if you will, with everything that he does from here on out. Um, you know, I like that. I needed that. And I think it helped. Um, but it, you know, again, it's pew, pew, bang, bang, explosion, explosion. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad because that means we'll continue to talk about this book in the future. I would say that um, when they say that, when I look at the title Bounty Hunters and we're, we're in that post ESB world and, you know, reading the book, what's what's happening. We know that with Boba Fett has been there uh, for Laman Zuckus, which we'll talk about in a second. We just yeah. saw Dangar recently. Bosk. Uh, you know, Bosk is coming. You know, Bosk is going to have his own upcoming standalone mm-hmm. issue, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so or special or whatever you want to call it. So I think that this this title will grow. And maybe after they get past this first initial balance thing, they might expand a little bit more. But I think it's just it is stuck. It's stuck in that time period right now where mm-hmm. it's very specific on what happens. We can explore what happens with these other bounty hunters because we really don't know. Right. We don't have any yeah. real end game um, on a lot of them. So let's see where it goes with that. But in, in terms of Forlom and Zuckus. Uh, they they've made their appearances a couple times already in New Canon, uh, but I I've always enjoyed this duo. That that scene from from Empire Strikes Back on the on the executors is one of my favorite scenes of all time because it just it delivered this new level to the movie that made it even more of a space western. Absolutely, um, you know it it all. I mean, when you say that, the first thing is what is it? Is it Piet who's like we don't need their kind of scum. And he looks up and you just see like Bosk's claws hanging over the edge. And he's just like, I heard, I heard you say that, you know, and his what transition tongue or whatever he speaks. But again, nastier than that. <laughs> I'm sure. But like, but like you see all of these weird looking characters lined up on the bridge of Vader's flagship. And as a kid, you're like, I want to know what these things are. What are these things? You know, and it was, it was just great. And then you see Boba Fett and you're like that armor, Ugh. you know, but to see, you know, four and Zuckus obviously stood out in that line, uh, that lineup. And then to really, for Bounty Hunters, I believe they had two or three pretty solid issues of the two of them because they were right on Valence's tail for a good portion. And um, Zuckus is, he has uh, precog abilities, it seems, or precognition of some kind. Yeah, the game speaks. Yeah. And he speaks in the third person. Yeah. You know, and I had to like kind of, I was like, but he's for, why is he calling him Zuckus? He's Forlom. Oh, he's talking to the third person. <laughs> like, no, that, why is he calling him Zuckus? He's Forlom. He's talking about himself. I'm an idiot. Like that, you know, that took getting used to. Well, nobody would blame you because remember back in the day when they when they first put their toys out, they had them reversed. So everybody was calling them the opposite. So it might be a play on that. I don't know. That's, That's stretching it, but. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty funny, actually. Um, there was a cover, a comic book cover that was. The um, it, there's a variant to Bounty Hunters, and it's Forlom and Zuckus, and they're they are switched, just like you said, and it's the old vintage card. Was it they did a two pack? No, like it, the yeah, I, yeah, within the cover. Awesome. It looked like the two pack within the cover. Yeah. Um, I'm I kind of regret not picking that up now that you mentioned that they switched because now it makes sense. That's pretty wild. That's pretty cool that they did a cover. 
for that. I didn't. You just helped me put that together. Thank you, Chris. That's what I'm here for. You got it, man. All this, all this. I'm not gonna say useless Star Wars knowledge because I just proved it's not. All right. <laughs> but um, exactly. <laughs> I um I I liked the I liked the honor the bounty hunter code that um that Zuckus allowed him to have like a certain amount of time like a head start in exchange mm. for that for that ruby or whatever it was. I think there's like. I like when you see that kind of stuff between underworld people that like, I forget, what is that term? Um, honor, honor amongst thieves. There you go. That's it. Thank you. Um, yes. And I liked, I liked what Valence did that because if I'm being completely honest, um, I, I would have, that would have been a me move. Like if I were Valence, I'd be like, yo, I got this really cool thing. I'm going to give it to you, but I need like a 25 minute head start. And <laughs> Like, I I honestly just, I felt like he, Valence channeled me for a minute. I was like, wow, this is something I would do. And I love it. And they honored it. They did. Just like you said. And I love that. I love that. How about that, uh, those battle droid battalion that they had? They they took those battle droids from that one, <laughs> that one dude. And they, they re they recommissioned them and sent them after those, uh, after that rebel cell. I thought that was pretty wild. I love it when... Battle droids make an appearance in current Star Wars stories or post sequel story or uh, post prequel stories. Um, yes, it's just because why not? Why wouldn't somebody <laughs> like just take a bunch of battle droids and try to take over something or or just have one as a bodyguard? You know what I mean? It's like they need to just be everywhere. <laughs> yes, and I think too that it's cool that the Clone Wars. And the prequels gave us an understanding of the, I hate using this word for this, but racism, I guess, towards droids. You know, like if we look at the 1977 A New Hope, you know, hey, we don't serve that kind around here. Uh, You know, like he saw some droids and was like, nah, dude, we fought a war. Okay, my grandpappy fought a war against these things. I don't want them in my bar. I like when they pop up because it it reminds me of that. It reminds me of there was a war fought clones versus droids and they carry that theme throughout the films. And yeah, they repurpose these old droids. It's just, it's neat. It's just really neat. I think it's the best word to use. (laughs) Exactly. And that's the thing. And these Easter eggs, like when people go back and do their homework, makes it even more special for people who pay attention. Yes. Or have always, you know, wanted to see more out of it instead of just the straight ahead, straight in there. Yes. So a exactly. lot of fun stuff. A lot of fun stuff in these comics. And um I can't wait for more bounty hunters. Yes. But um I think you and I are really here today to talk about the Dark Lord of the Sith himself, uh, Darth Vader. The coup de, the coup de gras, if you will, <laughs> of this whole conversation. We save the best for last, as they say. So Darth Vader is on volume three. Um, yes. Uh, writer is Greg Peck, one of my favorites in the industry. Pencils and ink by Raphael Ianco. And with colorist Nierja Menon. I am going to butcher your name. Sorry. This is another one where we have a very steady art and writing team. So I love that because it does. It is important for me in comics sometimes. I do like seeing different art. Don't get me wrong. But when you're doing sure. a narrative that's continuing, it does throw me out of it if all of a sudden you change the artist on in between an issue or something like that. I get it. I get why people leave or their schedules or whatever, but that's just me nitpicking. No, I think that's fair. I, I love this series because this is specifically what got me back into reading comic books. This series, and I'm talking not just Star Wars, I mean DC, Marvel. I started with Darth Vader, the uh, the first comic, because it was, and correct me, please correct me. It was Marvel Darth Vader, which took place right after A New Hope. And then there was Dark Lord of the Sith, which was between Episode 3 and Episode 4. That's correct. And then it's now, which is the Empire. Empire Strikes Back, after Empire Strikes Back. Now, I had gotten all the trades from either Amazon or from uh, Barnes & Noble for Darth Vader, the first volume, 
Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, the second volume. And then I had I heard like that number one for the volume three of Darth Vader was going to come out. So I'm Googling local comic book shops in my area because I wanted this. I happened to walk in to a shop that's five minutes from my house and was just like, hey, man, I don't really know. I don't I, I haven't read comics in like 20 years. Like, but I'm into Darth Vader and I'm looking for number one. I know it dropped today. He's like, it's on the shelf. So like I grabbed it and then he's like, do you read anything else? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And we talked for the next nearly two to three hours and I left with like $35 worth of comic books. But, you know, it was it was incredible. And that's what got me back into comics. So I owe this Darth Vader comic quite a bit. I love all of it and i just can't wait to, for us to just rip into it right now yeah we again we're in with this series with the current one that's going on right now we're in post empire strikes back so here we have darth vader and his fallout mm-hmm. with his battle with luke and so you know this is this is huge because up until he reveals himself to luke you don't see this side of him at all this no. is like that is when he makes his decision and the more you read into like what's written in the comic, it, it it's really kind of interesting the more the, how they kind of you know work that up of what he's thinking in his head and um, the doubts he's having, you know. Mm-hmm. So being a big Anakin and Skywalker fan, this is this this is what I've been waiting for, you know, yes. because it's such a sad thing for what to have happened to this to this guy, <laughs> and now suddenly this this milestone event has happened and now the fallout and we get to read all about it in this comic yeah i mean yes absolutely and i know we were talking about this off um off air for a little bit but when i was a kid and i saw when vader revealed himself to luke and the thing that stuck out to me the most was when vader said join me and we can rule the galaxy as father and son we can overthrow the emperor i always wondered wait a minute, was he actually lying or was he not? Was he actually not lying? And to have the comics almost confirm that he wasn't actually lying, that he wanted his son, you know what I mean? Like he, he, that was his plan. Just like you see, he's having his doubts about the emperor, having his doubts and then his punishment from the emperor just, Wow, dude. And and what goes into his building his castle. I guess I'm a dad and I refer to this a lot when I'm being a Star Wars fan because Star Wars is family. That is the underlying theme of Star Wars is family is that the person I love the most, my wife, was is dead. She's dead. There is something that exists that is a piece of her. And I just figured out it exists. Also remember he before he fights obi-wan in episode three he proposes the same thing to her he says that he knows he's more powerful than the emperor or whatever the chancellor at that point and he says you know you and i we can bring bring our vision you know peace to the galaxy and it was always when he snapped he really you know we know that he really believed that and to see it again now and you watch that and you you tie it tie it back to that those emotions that are hitting him at that point because like you just said he found out that a family member's alive how that broke basically i want to say his brainwashing in a way you know his mm-hmm. programming or whatever mm-hmm. it was boom that emotion that a love emotion came back in or whatever and it was that trigger absolutely absolutely and his his drive for Padme, his drive for sense of family from his guilt for leaving his mother behind, which, you know, he'll never he was he never got over leaving his mother behind. So he swore to protect the family that he had. And Padme was his family. It was Padme was was his safe place. And for me, Darth Vader lived in spite of life. He he continued to live just to spite existence. He fought a Sando Aqua Monster, and he he lit he lived. And honestly, dude, you read that and you're like, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. 
But when you actually read the pages and realize that he fought and beat the Sando Aqua Monster not to beat the Sando Aqua Monster. He fought and beat it simply to spite life, simply to spite living. He just, he's not, he isn't going to die. I'm not dying. Not today. I'm Darth Vader. That was the other thing, like, with his punishment. He had to rebuild himself, right? And mm-hmm. after he was sent to Mustafar <laughs> and, and had to go back and basically endure the same, it was like reprogramming, right? In a way, it was, it was the emperor's reprogramming of him. Um, get back to my cult, <laughs> son. Um, let's Dude. Dude, I gotta say, and tell yeah. me what you think. I need to hear. I need to hear your point of view. He's fighting Ochi of Bastoon. Mm-hmm. Is he or is he not the John McClane of Star Wars right now? <laughs> I mean, that is all like, I'm thinking about reading. Like the past three was just like, I've got a gun now. <laughs> ho ho ho! <laughs> like when he got <laughs> when he when he gave himself legs again. Yeah, he destroyed droids. Just, just again, out of spite for living, attached their legs to his, and I was just to me, it was like he, he, he did that elevator scene. Ho, ho, ho! I've got a gun now. <laughs> like ho, ho, ho! I've got legs again. <laughs> like that, holy wow! Yeah, exactly. It was just his the anger and everything that drives him. I guess maybe it's more than that at this point, though, right? Because. He, now he's really now he's really pissed at the emperor. Um, yeah. So it's like, what did you think you were going to accomplish with that? Just to make him even more angry? Because, you know, he's been wanting to kill you since since you turned him to begin with. But like, then you're going to send this punk. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they're going to send your Sith assassin. We don't know enough about Ochi. Honestly, I like that they brought him back. I think that's a really cool thing to do to tie it to the sequels. But did you not send that guy to die? I mean... You know that Darth, like, the Emperor's not stupid. He really thought that Ochi was strong enough to take out Vader, maybe when he was broken, right? I mean, I don't even know. I Again, just like you said, I like the fact that they brought Ochi in. The Emperor is constantly testing him. If we're looking at the other volumes, the Emperor had a whole bunch of cybernetic, um, you know, he had that one calamari that was, like, cybernetic. He had the weird Jedi twins. And Vader, Vader went through them all. Like with like like they were Kleenex and he was just ripping them to pieces. It just it just wild to me. But just everything this comic has done from volume one to now, um, I think is has just been incredible. And and going along what you know, filling in those gaps, when was Afra Afra was in the first volume, correct? Yes, that's where she first appeared. <laughs> when a comic ended with Afra asking why Darth Vader would be interested in a mortician on Naboo. As a longtime Star Wars fan, I lit up like, I, I know why. <laughs> and and to confirm that Padme was not with child when she was buried was just incredible to me because it added so much more weight to the films. Absolutely. And that's I I guess that's really why I love that they're they're going back and they're doing these in 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 between series. Because we would not see them in any other format. I don't want to read it as a book, honestly. I would I would rather see it as a serial like this yes. every month where it's just you're telling us these stories. You don't have to get too deep into it. Let's keep it at comic book level. Comic books are the perfect medium for either a TV show or a movie you can't make. They're storyboards, right? So yes. let me ask you about this. What did you think when you saw Padme at the end of that issue? Which issue? Okay, Wait sorry. When when um all right, so we know we're gonna we'll talk because we know it ends up being Sabe, right? So one of her Yeah, it ends up her, being her yes. double. So yeah. at the end of I think it was the first issue, right? Where at the end of it you see her like your brain wants to trick you that it could be her and like as a comic book reader you know these are these big cliffhangers and they're not going to turn out that yeah. way but i was like what if they did that? <laughs> what if she was alive and they they i just it was kind of like this what if thought what do you what were your thoughts at the end of that i mean when i saw that i knew it was one of her handmaids i just like that was my first thought this is one mm-hmm. of her handmaids she's not alive and obviously they didn't disappoint i did like that they were what amadalians yep 
So they were like this part of this group that were trying to like restore what she stood for. And they actually were leading Vader there as a trap, which I thought was cool. You know, uh, that was neat as I believe they, they said it was Vader that killed her. Right. Is that, that's why they were all pissed off, Yep. which is, you know, yes and no. She died of a broken heart. I don't, we don't need to get into that right now, but <laughs> you know, I, I liked, I liked all of that. And I like that when she said to him, you know, how dare you walk into her like her mausoleum? And this this broad has no clue. Like, sure, she has every right to be angry, but she has no clue. Like, he would have literally used the force to lift a mountain for her. And, like, you know, a lot of thought, you know, it, it brings you to a lot of thoughts of the people you love when you're reading it. And you know what I mean? Like... It's 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 wild and it was so well done. It, there was so much weight. Every page was heavier to to turn uh, during that when Vader went to her mausoleum because you you know he had never been there before, and it was in her honor and the mother of his children that you know at this point he knows one of them is alive. He doesn't know that there's a second one, but regardless, and it's a son. Um, you know it, it's who just destroyed the death star the boy who just destroyed the death star is my son you know and how, what part of him is pride i'm a dad what part of him is like that little shit good for him you know good for him <laughs> you know at the end of new hope <laughs> yes but um oh, what was it God. chris tell tell me <laughs> correct me though what there was one of them that there was a comic that discusses Mustafar and his castle being there as a choice because it's some type of force nexus that may allow him to see Padme again. Was it was it that Charles Soul one, the rise of Darth Vader? I think it I or think the Dark Lord or whatever it was. I, I don't think it was it might have been Dark Lord of the Sith. Um Dark Lord of the Sith what the, the transition from really clone the Clone Wars you know, to the, the galactic civil war. And I'm, I'm jumping here and I apologize. I, and you know, please stop me. But in that there was certain pages that made me understand because Vader killed a lot of his officers. (laughs) I mean, we saw that in empire. That was one of the parts of empire is, you know, just like he just killed people when they, betrayed him but they when they disappointed him in that a lot of times the clones because they were still using clones and transitioning to stormtroopers they didn't really know who vader was i love that it's just this weird robotic cybernetic guy and they would they were t- some of these officers and, and and stuff were telling him to go screw like he would like say and they would be like you can go screw so Vader is talking to the Emperor, and he says, "These people don't know who I am. They don't know what. Why I'm just a black armored dude that sits with you. They don't know nothing." So the Emperor says, "So Vader says, in essence, I'm paraphrasing. I need to show my resolve." And the Emperor says, "All right. In essence, uh, I'll take care of this." So they have a staff meeting. In a hang in a hangar, on a on some star destroyer, and the emperor says, "If it's coming from Lord Vader, pretend it's coming from me." And and that's it. And that's the long and short of it. You're gonna listen to this weird guy, and you're gonna do it. Vader, they comes up to the front and calls by name five officers. They come to the front. Hundreds of stormtroopers, hundreds of officers watching in this hangar. Five of them, he calls. They come to the front, and he strangles all five to death in front of everyone. Doesn't say a <laughs> word and leaves. That's their morning briefing. Yeah, but but what but what I'm saying is he tells the emperor these people don't take me seriously. Yeah. So the emperor was like, kill five of them. <laughs> You know what I mean? But like that for me, for the comic was what I needed to see. Well, it's the same thing. Like that Vader, Vader down. Oh, I, what is that line? All I see. 
Oh, is all he I, dead? Yeah, go ahead. You know, all I, all I see is fear and dead men. Exactly. There were hundreds, and he slaughtered them all. Again, in spite of life. It was just not today, Satan. <laughs> was just... <laughs> You know what I mean? That was Vader, and he killed everyone. <laughs> and not just the men, but the women and the children, too. I hate them. Oh. That Yeah, so also, just to kind of go back to the Amidalans, I just want to say that please. also we got a little, we got to know what's happening with Captain Rick Ole and Captain Typho. You know, I was always wondering, honestly. I've, always. The Rick Ole action figure from from Phantom Menace, and nothing, nothing for years. <laughs> but no, I yeah, a lot of cool stuff there. I I I, I love that concept. That little uh, droid did it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna start using like Phantom Menace sound bites for this for this uh, <laughs> cast and see how people really like that. <laughs> um, so we we did talk about Ochi. Uh, so that was another sequel tie-in. Let's talk about the Eye of Webish Bog because that um, that's actually something just happened in, in the more recent episode issues uh so vader is on this this hunt right this this basically like this um pilgrimage to what's he trying to do he's on mustafar he was surrounded right. on mustafar he can't use the force and he doesn't have his lightsaber and ochi's trying to murder him and he ends up he ends up facing the eye of the webbish bog and i didn't know that this was supposed to be a portion of rise of skywalker so I'm going to tell you from my point of view, because I didn't know until you sent, you sent me that article and you mm-hmm. were like, read, read this. And I did, obviously. And wow. But before that, because I'll let you touch that part, because uh, for me, I was like, this is a spider on a baby head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is happening? Why? <laughs> and, and why? This is frightening. And this is this is absolutely frightening. And Vader's outright defiance i don't even know like he just was like spider on a baby head this is he and i were together this is ridiculous why well, i gotta look at a spider on a baby head <laughs> like, maybe that's why it was cut out of the movie too because people would be like what is this spider on a baby head it's too much for general audience <laughs> yeah it was what is happening but again you know please chris go go into this a little more for me for my edification. Yeah, so in the beginning of Rise of, Rise of Skywalker, we we first meet Kylo Ren as he's slicing his way through this wooded fire planet that they say is Mustafar. Um, and so he's fighting off all these guys and he kills them all. But then it just, he just finds the Wayfinder, right? He finds yeah. that Sith Wayfinder and that's it, right? That's it. And so that that's just kind of like, I always thought that was like, all right, great. This is very rushed, is it not? I, it kind of felt very. rushed. So now so we know. Rushed. Now we know because he was supposed to go and run into the, the eye of the Webbish Bog or whatever. So what J.J. Abrams said was that uh, <laughs> this is all supposed to be part of Kylo and his journey, but they felt there was going to be too much time spent there and they wanted to get things moving. So I like the fact that they brought this into to the Darth Vader comic. That because this that scene is actually in the novelization of Rise of Skywalker. And when you read these, sometimes the books are, you know, they do add some cool stuff. I I always liked Revenge of the Sith novel a lot better because it was a yeah. lot more inner dialogue and and kind of the thought process of what was happening. But I here Yeah, yeah, it's such a good book. Um but good book. Would you have, now that you know this, do you, would you have ever seen this in a movie? I mean, yeah, I, I wish I would have seen it in the movie. I wish JJ, even with it, we got, we had to move on. Why slow down, slow the movie down. Give it, give me some, that would have been fine. I didn't hate rise of Skywalker. I liked it. I really mm-hmm. did. It tickled my fandom bone. It got me no, and I liked it. I liked it for what it was. Was it Empire? No, nothing will be Empire. But it was. It it did what I needed it to do. Sure, there were things I would have chosen to be different, and one of them would be slowing down. And if the eye of the web of eye of Webish Bog was there, I wanted someone to counsel Kylo Ren, and I was hoping that it would be the ghost of Anakin. But if we would have gotten a spider on a baby head then it would have been 
friggin' better than nothing. Um, so I don't really understand the thought process in cutting that. However, to your point, I do like that it was pulled into the comics and that article you sent was interesting because it's built. It exists. The prop exists and it was pulled into a comic. So the hope would be in some maybe television show or somewhere else. I mean, dude, can you imagine Ahsoka going to Mustafar and she runs into the eye of the webbish bog? That's exactly. So what if in some you know, it's just she's just kind of following Anakin's footsteps, goes there to see what she can get out of the planet because she realizes, you know, we don't know what happens between the like Rebels, the storyline and that flash forward and now the show. So there's time in between there. So mm-hmm. now that she realizes who Vader is through in the TV show, what happens? Where's when are we going to see that? Huh, Dave? Yeah. No. Yeah. Call us. Uh, <laughs> Seriously. I, um, yes. So uh, the Aishwabish Bog has the Sith Wayfinder. He gives it to Vader. Mm-hmm. But then he would also have it in the book. So it just comes back. I don't know how that kind of magic well, works. Maybe. <laughs> well, we remember. It, no, it's true, though. We so, remember that he that Kylo head. took it out of a chest. Yes. In Mustafar. So maybe Vader put it in a chest in his castle. And that's, I mean, supposedly... That scene at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, like you said, is on Mustafar, but supposedly it's supposed to be in front of Vader's castle, and those were supposed to be some type of acolytes to his castle that that Kylo Ren was just murdering. I mean, to be honest, but yeah, I I, I like that the last Vader comic ended, and may I or are we not? Yeah, go ahead. Um. Where, you know, Ochi helped him hook that Wayfinder up and Vader's on his way to Exegol. And I'm happy. This is happy. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in Exegol. Because I've always had questions. um, We discuss this in our group a lot, too. Like, who are these people in the background? Yeah. what What is the deal with Exegol? We know one thing about it from Rise of Skywalker. We've seen it once. So it'll be interesting to see where they take it in this book, really. Yeah. Yes. It's funny, though, um, I was going to mention earlier, just in light of uh, we were talking about how the Emperor seems to have these force users and he seems to always be breaking the rule of two because he doesn't care about it. We all know that. He just, yeah, he's just stuck in it because of, I don't know why. But from Inquisitors to um, those weird Frankenstein force things he made, you know, all yeah. the way up until, you know, through Rise of Skywalker, whatever he's been doing. So. All of that stuff is also um, present in the EU. And I always, I like that too, because the emperor had a right hand. He had Mara Jade, right? And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and the inquisitors were something from, from way back when. So all of this stuff, as they kind of tie it back in and, and make it all make sense. I love that we're seeing more um, of, of the lore that did come before um, as they tie in the and this is the perfect place to play it, put it, are into the comic books. Um, yeah. And I, I've enjoyed um, every series so far. And I think that Marvel, as much as I, I, I loved what Dark Horse was doing, and, and, but, it, you know, Marvel has, has the strength of, like, great creative teams and just the marketing, you know, and, and I think it just, it's a good fit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every... Every comic has been has really been fantastic, but Vader, I think, is just really so good because there's there is so much you can do with Vader because mm-hmm. of his his torn psyche, his his story is so very interesting. You know, her, hero to villain to hero is is just such a and and i feel like a, all of us have a little of that inside of us and i think we all want to root for the the villain that wants to be better um but also too is that is that connection to family that vader has is that you know padme's dead dude i got nothing else she was pregnant i knew she was pregnant and that that kid's dead too so what do i got to live for man i'm just going to kill a whole bunch of people <laughs> You know, like, 
I don't know what else to say. If my wife and kids were dead, I'd probably just kill a bunch of people myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> to be honest with you. But again, you know, then he's starting to go on this pilgrimage, this self pilgrimage, when he realizes that he has blood that's alive. And there is this this internal pilgrimage he goes in. One thing I love about the comics is when he meditates. When he meditates, his his head, his torso, and his stumps are all this like red, almost like lava. And then his arms and legs are back, and they're this like cooling, kind of calming blue color. And there's the butterflies that just kind of exist around him, which a lot of people brought up those butterflies around Grogu when he was trying to uh, commune on a Tython mm-hmm. um, and drawing that back to the Vader comics when Vader would meditate and the, the butterflies would be around around him. And and those butterflies were said to be the light side that still existed in him. And his limbs were the light side that still existed. And it was like his meditation were were almost arguments between the two sides, you know, and trying to re-commune with Padme in some way. But again, the way these comic books have been able to really bridge a lot of this lore when you rewatch the films and rewatch the shows and rewatch all of it, it adds this weight that makes it even more enjoyable, makes it like you're watching a new movie. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, and I love the format of comments because of that. I had mentioned I was like very like storyboards uh, and it's and that's the thing about just being able to read a story. And I'm not and I try to read books. I do. I was I, used, <laughs> I read so many eu books when i was younger and now it's just i i don't always have the energy to read novels and i think that's why i love that comic books do exist for you know for this stuff and i will be forever grateful (laughs) absolutely so uh you know before we uh close close up shop for the night do you want to do you want to talk about anything rocco if you if you like the sound of my cool crispy voice, I do have uh, my podcast, the Critical Mass Podcast. We're currently in our thirteenth season. Seasons are arbitrary, so don't read too deep into that. However, uh, you know we're a talk show, uh, really focused on current events and politics. Um, so if you're into that, give us a listen. That's Critical Mass Podcast. Uh, our logo is two dudes with beards. You really can't miss it. Uh, so if you really hate yourself, listen to our podcast. Awesome. And uh, you can check out Star Warriors. Uh, we've we are a part of a bigger group of Star Wars geeks, and we've so far I think we've recorded twelve episodes. So we yeah. just did one about uh, season two of The Mandalorian. We have a really good time. Uh, so check that out, and also check out Talley Talk. Part of uh, my website, Don't Forget a Towel. That's where we, my friend and I, Casey Bowker, we talk about the geekly news. Uh, so go on over to Don't Forget a Towel, uh, where this show is hosted. So, Rago, it's been awesome. I love talking comic books with you. Uh, glad that we uh, made the time to do this, and I hope we can do it again. Absolutely, man. Let's uh, Let's read some more comics and get back on the horn here. That sounds good. And for everybody out there listening, may the force be with you. 